We've made it to the end of the black and white era. It is season six, end of season, what happened? The end of season, what happened? It's here, it's into the black archive, end of season, what happened? The music could come in at any minute, but oh, it is being stingy, conservative and tight. And so we won't have the music yet. Okay, I'll... I, I don't want don't want to play because I don't want to overwhelm people. But okay, we, we, there we go. End of season. What happened? The horrific music, which even I now hate. Yeah, I I even dislike it. But it's tradition now. You know, you, you know when you're tied into something and you, and you just can't you can't bring yourself to leave it. I think I've got some other music in here, which might be different. One second, let me see what I've got got on, yeah, our, on our clipboard. I know, I know you've got Last Chance Saloon in there. Oh, that works. He has an idea. We've done it. We're through. Black and white is over. Colour. It's just on the horizon. It's time. For end of season, what happened with in, on into the blah, 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 on into the black archive with Owen and James? <laughs> end of season, what happened? Blah 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 blah. And that is why I cannot speak. But anyway, let's have enough of the music. <laughs> Owen, okay, it's the end of season. So, what happened? It was also, I don't want to say disappointment, but it's just a forgettable mess, much like last season. Yes, it was the same. It's the same going through the motions feeling, and you can see why when we get to the next season, everything gets rebooted and everything gets given a fresh coat of paint. Because it was clear that season six was was a show that was running on fumes in terms of ideas. It's like last time it was a bit rough last season was a bit rough around the edges, but this time it just kind of went back to Hartnell era productions as well half the time. Yeah, like uh quarries and cheap stuff. And and stories that were serviceable it's, but just never felt imaginative. It's not even quarries. We didn't really get quarries in Hartnell's era. It, it's more just which we're very much down to when you think of most of the villains' costuming. Mm. It's all very sharp edges, very boxy. They've just got a box and drew a face on it looking kind of thing. Mm. And all the baddies, which villains, we don't have that on. All the ones we've had in previous seasons, whether that be Ice Warriors, Cybermen, and that's about it. Yeah, we didn't. Even, did we even have Cybermen this season? So that was last season. Yeah, we had the Invasion. Oh yeah, Cybermen and the Invasion, aren't they? The yeah. Invasion, yes. The, yes, the well, Invasion. I, think, I don't think which which helps our memory here is that we had a, a month's recording break midway through this season. Yes. So this one's a bit of a patchwork in terms of actually going back and. Um, Reviewing what was there. So shall we get in shall we get into the awards? Because if you haven't listened to any of these end of season what happened episodes before, we go through, give the episodes some awards, we'll rank the episodes, and we'll also rank the season with all the other seasons that we've watched right from back in season one. Excluding series twelve flux, because obviously Yeah, Flux we, doesn't count. We do think it's a list even for us, it's a little bit unfair to compare flux with all of the really old ones, because obviously, for even with Chipnell's writings, Flux is a lot better in other ways. It's a complete get, different kettle of fish. Yes, Flux is dramatically better than all other Doctor Who. That's the important thing we're making it clear, including all modern Who. 
I wouldn't go that far. I'm just saying with like visual effects wise and, and <laughs> yeah, production value, completely different level to what we've got currently because of technical reasons more than anything. Yes. We're, we're just going through it narratively and we're going from the back. So where do you want to start? Before we do that, let's just quickly explain one little thing. We are still using the playout system. So oh, after yeah, the four, playout system. Four and a half minutes, if we are still talking utter rubbish, we will be played out to make sure we don't go on about absolute rubbish for way too long not that it will stop us going on for absolute rubbish for four and a half minutes so you have to think no. it's a compromise yeah is it we've got to compromise it somewhere don't we really <laughs> this is what you're here for you're here for this absolute bullshit that we talk about day in day out <laughs> shall we make a start then yes our best companion well it has to, it has to be zoe yeah doesn't it yeah it has to be zoe is the best female companion we've had since Barbara. She's worked throughout the whole season. She's had a lot more to do than Jamie, frankly. She feels and like she's, she's taken over a lot of that. And she's a lot less annoying than Jamie was. Mm. There's, there's less whining. You get the sense that they've written a character who's sort of layered and has dimensions, but at, but at the same time, at, you know, at the same time, she doesn't fall into those archetypes that yeah. we've seen so many other companions fall into, like... um. Like Polly and Dodo and Vicky, you know, it just feels like we've had the same things. Victoria as well. Hell, shows you how bad she was. I barely even remembered her, and that was only last season. Zoe's a complete shift from that. She she shows you that you can write a good female character on Doctor Who. It just took them quite a while to figure it out. Yeah, and it's also because she not only is active in the story, but she also... It's just generally active. She does stuff. She will. She's not a vault. She's not afraid to get down and dirty and have a fight with people. Mm. And she, I think one thing that stands engaging. out. Yeah, she's very engaging. One thing that stands out is you feel like when she's not talking, she's still thinking. Like you, you get yeah. a sense the character has like an outer life beyond the script. If you know what I mean. She, she, you can see her her cogs whirring on in the background, trying to work out solutions and remember things. Yeah, and that's. You can understand that because once you can do that with a character, you know them like a person. And if you know them like a person, they're usually a pretty good character. I just wish we had her first episode. That's my only wish. Yeah, because we only get get five Zoe stories uh, that are existing, that are surviving. No, we've got six. Have we got six? Yes. Wasn't in the first episode? She, She wasn't in for Weird in Space. Oh, yeah, because Weird in Space is before the... Yeah, forgot about Weird in Space. Which was last season, but doesn't exist. She's yes. Every, se- every episode this season. Yeah, okay, right. Of, so yeah, it is One six. of which we haven't watched. Oh, which is Space Pirates, because it was seven. Yeah, yeah, right, I'm with you now. Yeah, for some reason, when you said first, I thought to myself, was she not in one of them? And then I sort of automatically said, well, she has to be in five then. No, she, she's been in all, all of ones this season. We just don't have for Wheel in Space, which was her first one. Mm. Yeah, that would have been interesting to see. Because so, we, we see a very brief glimpse of that origin in the War Games right at the end. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's in the dark to us. Uh, and then yes. if we if that's the best companion, the worst companion by default has to be Jamie McCrimmon. Jamie McCrimmon, uh, uh, which which continues to be a shame because he started off so well in his first season and season four. Mm, season season four. four, generally, it's still my favourite season because every story hits the right note. And a lot of that is because of the Jamie and Doctor interaction. But we've lost that for the last two seasons. They've just kind of forgotten how to write Jamie. 
yes, Jamie's become less a character, more an instrument in a way. Like, all he really does is do sort of the blind action while the Doctor and Zoe go off and actually do the plot. It feels like. Like, Jamie just sort of gets siphoned off. I mean, we even have that in the War Games. Jamie feels like he's on his entirely own thing. And by and large, it's just kind of the action stuff. He doesn't really have a lot of character depth anymore. You know, the most you get is references to Scotland, and that's where we leave he's him. Just, he just He's just become mildly irritating. Yeah. He reminds me of where Ben was, for example. Like, mm. Ben always used to be the whiner and the complainer, and he would always have a go. And it feels like Jamie sort of got to that point by the end because they they lost the ideas for him. And it's a shame because there are so many episodes in season four where you, where you think, he's fantastic, he's brilliant, I want to spend more time with him. Season four, Jamie, is probably the best companion we've had if you're isolating yeah. it. He's definitely on board to say like Ian and Barbara in the first time, which I think I would still say are probably some of my favourite companions. Yeah, oh, at least on par. And But by the end, that's almost been completely undone because he doesn't even have, like at least last season he had the thing with Victoria, right? Like at least there was a thing he was involved in. Yeah. Even if it wasn't very good. Here there's just nothing for him to do in these episodes. Zoe mm. does more of the action stuff, or at least like the action stuff that really makes a difference. Do you think it's because in season four, the female companion was Polly, who was typically associated with Ben. So Ben was protecting Polly. Do you think it's because Jamie didn't have anyone to protect in season four, where he did in five and six, which makes him worse? I, I suppose you could view it that way. There's There's an argument to be made that because Ben and Polly were associate with each other the doctor and jamie became the secondary double actor to, to counter that one and also that he didn't have to protect polly ben did that mm. yeah so he he kind of got to be the, the free spirit and the independent one and the, the one that would do kind of the funny stuff but he's even lost his humor like jamie doesn't feel like a, a funny companion he hasn't for two series it was like they yeah, totally like for forgot lo- what made the character work the last one really had funny jamie was in tomb of the cybermen mm. And yeah, since then it just, he became worn down as a character. It just yeah. felt like they, they ran out of all the ideas really, really quickly and just couldn't come up with anything else, which is a shame. Like we've previously said, which we don't like, which particularly around this era, all the companions only stuck around for a year with the exception of Jamie. I can sort of see why they brought in that rule. Yeah, I mean, obviously this rule kind of goes out of the way later on. But certainly you can see the, the argument for it because three seasons was two seasons too long based on the writing quality. We're being played out. Isn't it nice to hear the play out? Let's move on to our next one, James. What is the next one? <laughs> I'm opening up for you, You're James. opening up for you, are you? Okay, well, the next award on my list is the best setting. Uh, so that's... Yes. Um, you can always call it best world building, like the best place we go yeah. to. You know, is it intriguing? Does it feel like a whole place or does it feel like two sets pulled together on a budget of about 10 quid. I am going to sort of be weird with this one here because I'm going to cut a story a little bit. Okay. For war games, yeah. if you exclude the last episode. So, right, yeah, that's that's fair enough because we're going by settings. So the war games' last episode, if you don't know, is entirely separate from the main story it takes place in Gallifrey or on a ship or whatever it's almost 
a completely separate story with a few elements that kind of floating. Mm. Yeah, but the pre- but the previous and yes, this is this is the right number. The previous nine episodes in this story all take place in this absolutely berserk um, combination of different wars from human history that have been pulled out of time together as pretty much a scientific test. Yeah, and it's it's completely bananas, and it's absolutely the most ambitious out there setting that we've ever seen on Who up to this point. And. Normally when we go, it's ambitious. We normally mean it turned out to be utterly crap, mm. but this time it's an exception to that rule because it turned out to be really good. It fulfills the ambition and also the way that they write around the settings really good because they just withhold information until it becomes important and seed it. So it's like, oh, we're in 1917. Oh, this is a weird 1917. Oh, there's a mist around. Is, a, is there a problem with that? Oh, these are Romans. And and then they go around the American Civil War and the Scottish Army's fight against the Redcoats and all sorts and even, of places. And even the external um, alien, I don't know if it's a sh- ever disguised as a ship or a, just a different part of the planet. Yeah. But that's sort of like alien, but how it's sort of like a bizarre university as well. Really yeah, kind of that blends like in really, really well. It's all built up really well. I really do like it. It's like the students are there to study for participants, which is something that really happens in universities. For professors will have an experiment, whether it be with like animals, something like that, and they'll get the students to watch it. It's very much like if you watch the episode of Community where they've got where they're trying to test professors' theory about how mm. how long someone will stay in a particular room. It's that kind of thing, but a lot more dark. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a Hunger Games style control room, and and everything adds to the atmosphere of the episode. There's a really clear tone, and that comes from the setting. Which one did you go for? Because we were about to be played out. Yeah, see, I knew you were going to talk about War Games, and I thought, frankly, it was too obvious that that was the best setting. So I wanted to give a shout in mind to the Mind Robber, which I actually think is a really cool setting, but it just gets overshadowed by how good the War Games one is. Because mm. there's all sorts going on in that episode. There's there's fictional characters around that are pulled from seemingly nowhere and the setting changes all the time because it it's sort of a mental scape. Mm-hmm. So that's a really cool episode that I think is a bit underrated. I mean, I definitely liked it, although I see where the issues were with it. War Games good, this one good as well. A good season for settings, I'll give them that. Yeah. What's the next award? For worst setting, we've of had the best, now is. we're down for worst. Yes. The ones that have felt like they've been pulled together for 10 quid. (laughs) Maybe this season. (laughs) There's a few candidates for this, I feel. Yes. I have gone... Actually, do you want to go first? Which one did you go for? Yeah, I can go first. Um, I went with the Dominators setting. Ooh. The reason being... No, no, you say yours, actually. You say yours. For Crotons. Yeah, I, I could see why you'd go with that as well. Because the Crotons is very cramped. Should we talk starting, start talking about the Crotons, actually? Because that's a very cramped, so, iffy setting. It, it suffers from the same problem which the Power of the Daleks had, where you only see two separate scenes, and there's apparently an entire world working outside of the story, but you just never quite really feel like there's anything going on outside the classroom and the bedroom. Mm. You, you don't really feel like anything else is going on. Now, I chose that compared to the Dominators because in the Dominators, you get to see the inner workings of this planet. You get to see the 
pacifists debating with themselves about the pros and cons of doing this. You know, which they don't like to go to this place because of a particular event which happened. I feel like there's a lot of world building which happens there, where mm. in, for Crotons, you don't have any of that. See, I, I wouldn't say that because the Crotons has the mythology about um, the, I can't remember what their name is, but you know, the superior race that like they give the their best subjects to. Is that the Crotons? Oh, so what yeah. was the. Was it the Thals or something? Like that? No, that's from the Daleks way back, isn't it? <laughs> Where is my head? So right. So so the Crotons take the best students from the inferior race, and that's who yes. you Right, cool. But that has its own mythology. It's implied that that's been happening for quite a while. That that's yeah. how they've lived in service of these machine people. But to me, you don't get to feel like how anything else on that planet works. I can see that. I think I think my main issue with the Dominators is just the ambition of the story is there and they just put them in a quarry. Yeah. Like the world building is present, but they completely undercut it by the fact that the thing looks so like William Shatner Star Trek and not in a good way. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it completely undercuts the feeling of the story. So there's good stuff there and I, you know, it's... I like the way that the Dominators and the Pacifist race are put against each other. And that's similar to a lot of episodes we had in the Hartnell era where there were kind of two squabbling races on one planet. But yeah, the fact is they've put it in a damn quarry and it feels cheap and it feels lazy. And it feels tired and cliched in all the worst ways. So that is potentially, we're discussing this, that is potentially the last time we discussed the setting because next season it's like kind of all based one on setting. one setting, and we're kind of there sat there not really being sure what we'll be doing next season. So if you've got any ideas, yeah, an alternative award do, in place of best settings, so anyway we could adapt it for the situation. Please tweet in at Black Archive Pod, and we might implement that change. Yes, you might just have an award right here. So get thinking. Now, uh, on to awards that we do have and that we already have and have already decided. What is the next one on our list? So, the thing which Doctor Who, even now, so often gets wrong. It is the best story end. Yes, sponsored. No, it's not. It's the worst one. We'll get to that. We're close. Yeah, James. James, God. God. <laughs> can we have this? Can we have Best Story End to be sponsored by Enemy of the World? No. Straight <laughs> no. out of hand. All right. Fine. What is the best yeah, story? Because Enemy of the World has a dreadful ending as well. <laughs> yeah, but he does get literally thrown into the time vortex. That's not bad. That doesn't make up for it. <laughs> I don't care. He gets thrown in the time vortex. That's badass. Everyone knows that. Right. Best story end. I, think I know we're going to disagree. I know we're going to disagree. Who wants to go first? Um, I'm, I, I am going to say it's the War Games, knowing it's not for you, because I know you don't like it. I think the War Games for me would be the best if that last episode did not exist or that episode was counted as a separate thing. See, I think the last episode helps it. We have, If you haven't listened to our War Games... Um, podcast you really should because it was a hell of an episode one of my one of my favorites and we have a long mm. conversation about this so if you want any more context about this problem go there and check that out but yeah for me it's war games what's yours i think mine's gonna be controversial here what is it seeds of death really 
I suppose, uh, I suppose there's like, it's not bad pace, that ending. I feel like it's done well. We've got the twist of, um, what's his name? Ferrum, Farnham, mm. guess, realizing his morals and protecting the human race. And I feel like it's a lot more of a natural end compared to some of the other ones, which we've had, which have felt a bit sudden. I'll give you that. It's got a good moral ending. It's one of the few things about that episode I like, to be quite honest. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, as I say, I, I don't really like much of this episode, but the ending is definitely one of the better ones. And this is also where it comes into the fact that we don't remember half the stories. <laughs> yes. I think, on a general note, I actually think the endings of season six stories have been largely better than how they used to be. Mm-hmm. They don't feel as rushed anymore and they don't feel as sudden. They feel like the endings have been more thought out. And they come to yeah. a more natural end, by and large. I think the only other one which I've really had issues with is the Dominator, because it is stolen from Planet of uh, Dalek Invasion of Earth. Yeah, it is the exact same thing. Yeah, the reason I am going with the War Games, and there is a full podcast on why, so you know, I'm, I'm not going to repeat myself too much. But for me, the reason it works is because the Doctor has to face his own demons. Yeah, And it's the first real time. I mean, we had episodes where, like in Power of the Daleks, where he was annoyed about his plan not working and he was kind of unknown, or the Web of Fear, where, yeah. where this thing doesn't work. Like Those are good endings because they draw on the Doctor's own issues, and we don't get a lot of that. The War Games is the ultimate manifestation of that idea. You can say what you want about the last episode feeling out of place in comparison yeah. to I think the reason it doesn't for me is because it's in line with the Doctor's own thing. And it's not really to do with the setting at this point. It's the natural continuation of, he's already met a Time Lord, he knows he's got to face it, and, you know, even though he thinks the story's over, it's not, because he's still got things to deal with. Um, Yeah. Not perfect, but I think it's really good myself. As I say, I think if if it ended on that nine episode, it would definitely have been higher up on my list. Mm. But I feel like that last episode does let it down a little bit. Yeah. I, I, in a sense, they kind of had to have it because the Time Lords needed their own space. Yeah. Yeah. And they, and they needed to work out a way to bring an end to Hartnell's era, so to well, speak. Well, Troughton's era. Troughton's era. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it works. But Seeds of Death one's not bad either. Yeah. Right, should we flip that on its head then? To the worst story end. For worst story end, sponsored, sponsored by the Sensorites. The Sensorites. Can we have a round of applause again for the Sensorites like we do every time we do these? Respect for humans, which are in the pipes until the very last moment. And the administrator, which was indeed dealt with. The administrator will continue to be dealt with as long as we live. Yes! Full applause. That's what we want. The administrator and the humans in the pipes. Big shout out to Enemy of the World as well. The humans are just in a cave. Um, goodness. Do you know, yeah. you know, I wish we still, I wish we had like YouTube videos where we can have, you know, the eye links that come up and go in the top yeah. right. So we can be like, oh, you know, all these jokes that we're making that you might not understand. Here's the podcast. <laughs> go and figure it yeah. out. What is your worst story end? I think this is going to be, uh, that's a very controversial one, but I have reasons. Oh, it's going to be the war game, isn't it? No. Oh, it's not. It's the invasion. Yeah. I don't mind that, actually. I don't mind that I ending think, at all. I think it's all very well and very good until they go pull a sensorites with dealt with the administrator. In this case, it was with dealt with the Cybermen. 
Yeah, I guess. It, it, it was, is kind of done. We, we, we go into a room and then we go, problem solved. We're out for story end and the Doctor is now going off. Goodbye. See, I think I still think the episode earned the time it had on the ending. I agree that it's a bit sudden, but it but it earns the time, and we have a bit of time with Lethbridge, and and I suppose they needed that because of what they were setting up for next season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as I said, the issue for me is that it is sudden, and they do kind of forget which they do actually need to end it. Mm. They just kind of go, "Oh fuck, we've run out of time again." Yeah. It still fuck kind of it. feels rounded, though. Like in my head, yeah. it still feels kind of well rounded. Yes, but I still would rather we have at least something of the aftermath or us getting to the point of the aftermath rather than us just going into the room again and we've solved it. Yeah, I'll give it that. Which one is for you? Uh, now, why, my worst story end is the Crotons. And it's for a very, very important reason. I can't remember it. It was when they... they <laughs> if it's that they burn, bad... They, they, they melt them, remember? No, they melt them. <laughs> Yes, they, they melt them. Yes. <laughs> they melt for crotons. What I'm saying what I'm saying is is that if you, if your story end isn't dramatic enough that I can't remember it only a few weeks after I've seen it. It's not very good, is it? No. Like, this is this is the issue I have. Like I episode 1 of the crotons, I remember shots like level of specific because mm. the start's good. Uh, the thing is, is that after that, it completely loses the momentum. And by the ending, you don't care. And it doesn't give you any reason to care after the fact, because the ending doesn't have any dynamic things going on. Mm -hmm. The Dominator's ending is a bit meh as well. Yeah, it, it feels it a bit is. too violent for the Doctor as a character. Yeah, it just feels like it, they've just kind of ran out of time and ran out of ideas. They just copied a previous story. Yeah, it just went with the cheap. Ah, blow it up. Yeah. Technique. But hey, destroy. <laughs> that's, just, that's the best thing about that episode. Just screams of destroy. And speaking of scream, mm. which was the best? My best scream is destroy from the Dominator. <laughs> you notice how I segue that in? Fair enough. Fair Does enough. It, I mean, it is. It's not up there with kill, 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 kill. No, I don't think anything is, is no. in, in terms of that. But destroy is pretty close. Mm -hmm. It is uh, like I can't. You know that particular dominator that was always saying it. The actor who did that hammed it up to the most ridiculous extreme, and it's absolutely yeah. brilliant. It reminds me. Oh, here's a question for you. There's a really good six part episode. With another overacting guy, and I can't remember what it is. I think it was during it was during the Hardwell stuff. No, yeah, can't remember. But yeah, there was a really good overacting bit in that, and it's like it was just hammed up as anything. Yeah, yeah. All the Dominators are just insane. They're they're, they're acting as if they're in a Shakespearean film the whole time, and they're also so useless. But, yeah, and then the, oh god, and then the Quarks as well, which which we'll get onto later, I think. What a waste that is. whole story kind of falls in on itself. It, it, the Dominators are kind of... They're built up as, like, Daleks. Basically, Dalek-level threat. And they do nothing. Yeah. What about yours, Owen? This is one which I normally can never think of an answer for. And I'm going to continue that trend. Do you want me to try and give you one? 
I can't think of any one, any of them. Uh, I like the, I like the screen that all the Romans do anytime we see them in war games. <laughs> for, for just for duplicated clip of them running at the camera. Yeah, the duplicated clip. Yeah, the fact the fact that the exact same screen is used twice, I think, should add to its appeal. Right, due to my inability to think of good answers for my own categories, it's time to look at for best side character. Mm, the best side piece. Mm. The best side hustle. I've got a feeling I know who you're going to go with. Yeah? Mm. Do, you, do you want to tell me who I went with then? I'm going to go with the most generic one, which I think we both would have picked unless we're being deliberately obscure to try to avoid going for him, mm. which is Lethbridge Stewart. No, I haven't got Lethbridge Stewart because I've been I've been obscure and tried to avoid him. Because we talked about it last season. I've done the same. That's what I'm saying, which is the obscure, it's the line of sight one, which we have, would have chosen if we were actually answering this honestly. We love love Lethbridge Stewart. It's so obvious. But the fact is, in the next season, he's basically a companion. So Mm. it feels a bit of a cheat to me if he's going to be a companion. Yeah, next season he'll definitely become a companion. So, well, who did you choose for this time? Then there were a lot of options I went through. I ended up going with the War Chief. Funnily enough, just just because I enjoyed watching him, I would say which is more of a baddie though. He is more of a baddie, but I'd call him a side character in a way because he's not he's not the primary baddie. No, but like, the Warlord is still the primary baddie. It's just because the War Chief mm. has a differing opinion. Like the Warlord is still the one who did the genocide. Hmm. I've also gone with someone from four games. You have. I'm guessing somebody like Carstairs. Yes, Carstairs. Yeah, Carstairs is good. He, he is, he's uh, just he, he does more than Jamie. Yeah, he's more interested in Jamie. He does more than Jamie. He's very fun to lot more fun to be around than Jamie. And I love his him as he attempts to work out what's real and what isn't real, particularly when he gets rebrainwashed. Oh yeah, he goes through a lot. You know that scene with him in the brainwashing chair like yeah. in episode four? That's great. Yeah, he he's a lovely companion, and I love. Yeah, I hope he, I hope he did find character. Jennifer. To be honest, yeah. I mean, I hope we so found I. Jennifer five episodes ago instead of just sending her off to be a nurse. But oh well, that's that's in the past now. Carstairs is good in terms of a good side character. I could go with, I could go with them for sure. Is there anybody else that's even worth bringing up? Oh, Lemuel Gulliver. From Mind Robber, just having Gulliver around is really cool, and all of his sayings that are ripped out of the book that some that occasionally just lose their um, relevance. Mm-hmm. A bit like an NPC in a video game. Yeah, that's really inventive. I, I might even change mine. Actually, I think Gull- I think that Gulliver thing's really inventive um, and really good fun. So yeah, I'll go with Gulliver from the Mind Robber. Now. Shall we go with for baddies? The best baddies. For best baddie. Yes, not excluding the Daleks anymore. Because, well, because no Daleks at the moment. There are no Daleks there. Who did you go for in the best baddie? The best baddie I've chosen. And it's, it's a bit of a controversial call because calling them a baddie is an odd one. But I have gone with the Time Lords. Okay. Yeah, I've gone with the Time Lords. You can say they're not a baddie, but at the end of the day, for the Doctor, he, they are the worst people you could come across. Mm-hmm. So yeah. based on that, I'm going to call them a baddie. And the reason for that is they're ridiculously powerful. 
They're incredibly enigmatic. They get this real build up throughout it. And it's actually paid off properly. Like every single scene you see just how overpowered these are. Yeah. You know, they dealt with the they dealt with the warlord, you know, almost as well as they dealt with the administrator. But but are they evil? Well, no. Not like generally, but I suppose there are some time lords that are evil. Like Rassilon no, are evil. But these ones which we're dealing with, are they evil? They're not not evil, they've just got a particular opinion. But surely to be a baddie they have to be evil. What is Well the Doctor considers them evil because he believes that their view of the universe and not interfering is evil because you're allowing evil to happen. Yeah. So you can make the argument. I'm not saying they're a complete baddie. I'm just saying an argument can be made. And it's mm-hmm. mainly just an excuse for me to talk about how well they're actually handled in that episode because it's brilliant. Okay. I just went for everyone in for war games. <laughs> every single baddie is like a different level of interesting. They're all amazing. Whether it's the warlord, the... Turtleneck. Turtleneck lord. Turtleneck. Warlord, war chief, mm. the head of security, <laughs> the head of security, for Major Barrington, I think. No, General Smythe. General Smythe, that's what I'm after. General Smythe, the German Capitan guy. Yeah, they are all perfect in their own way. Particular call out to Smythe because he is amazingly stupid. Smythe is phenomenally dumb, as is the head of security who spends the entire time on his own conspiracy theory and gets yeah. in the way of himself and everyone else. Yeah, it it was, for me, perfect. And Smythe's death, him. objectively really funny. Deeply yeah. ironic. <laughs> I, I, love, I love all the baddies in that episode. They are all perfect. Yes. Much like most of that episode. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the one episode that really, really, really stands out. It wasn't a good season, but that episode stands out. No spoilers for the end conversation about this, but I think it's pretty obvious where it's going. I think we said it last episode, to be honest. Yeah. So, so what's your um, flipping this round again? What is your worst baddie of season six, Owen? They'll just dominate your mind. Oh, it is the dominators. It is the dominators, the dominant, the dominant yes. species, the best letdown of them all. Because they were so hyped up, the name alone hypes them up. You cannot call some of the dominators and make them that wet. You just can't. They are just so tedious to be around. They're not even that bad. Mm. They are just... Uh. Yeah, You know it's rubbish when the Ice Warriors, who we're not the biggest fan of because of the damn voice, are in this season and neither of us have named them. Yeah. I'm just going to quickly mention the Ice Warriors. I'm going to pause it here because we got. I'm going to go off topic for one moment. Right, that's fine. And just, just, just to to quickly say something to you. Yeah. So you know how I'm listening to the Eighth Doctor's audio adventures. Yeah, yeah, the McGann ones. Yeah. Guess who the ba- evil people are in my next audio adventures? Oh no, no! <laughs> are they going to do it? Are they going to do the? Th- 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 from. <laughs> From the preview, they've toned it down. Oh, good. It, it just ends on an S whenever there's an S. 
and it's not okay. just every sentence says yeah, a random but it was literally just like yes ice warriors yeah so hopefully it will be a little less irritating i was saying james for this i've got a bad throat so i shouldn't be doing this (laughs) oh yeah you've wrecked it doing all this worry stuff you'll have wrecked it we'll see if you make it through to the end of this podcast anyway you you go back let's go back on topic i'm pressing play again on the play out timer okay uh my i have gone with the dominoes but i also haven't you went for corks i'm guessing yes specifically um my god the corks were put there to to do merchandising from what I can work out, and it shows there's absolutely no thought. It's like it's like Batman and Robin, which was a movie that was purposefully designed to sell toys. It's never good when you design your narrative around toy sales. I I have put the dominates on top because at the end of the day, the buck stops with the boss, and in this scenario, the dominators are the boss. That is true. And if they weren't on top, you'd have to call them the submissors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so there's that as well. So yeah, so that that's that's my reasoning at least. Yeah, I just think the dominators are useless in their own right, but the quarks are the most useless element of them, and in their own right, they deserve to be that. They're like um, they're like devil furbies, uh, with no soul and no cuteness. What? I mean, calling furbies cute and not devil anyway is a stretch. So we're going to stretch this on to the best death best that death was, was the worst cliff uh, worst yeah that was take, like, I, I sometimes I, wonder about <laughs> renaming I sometimes wonder about renaming this award stupid deaths like the horrible history stupid deaths thing because most the of the time we do death, death, best deaths stupid, stupid deaths. deaths they're funny because they're true uh, mine is because it's the only death I remember from this season <laughs> great it is the melty face at the start of, start of um, the dominators yeah, that's that's a good one. That is a very good one, actually. I think I know which one you're going to go with. What do you think I'm going with? Smythe. See, see, I put the Dominators in mind because I just thought the idea of all of them after six episodes of nonsense getting blown up, the forest is not wherever it was, getting absolutely nuked to Kingdom Come was funny. But yeah, Smythe's, <laughs> Smythe is particularly good as a death. <laughs> it's, it's um, yeah, it's, I will change it to Smythe. I'll tell you why. Uh, listeners, it's six episodes we've had of the War Games. Smythe has been sort of portrayed as the big bad. As we've got on, we've learned that there's a lot more layers to it. And by the end, Smythe puts the Doctor out for firing squad after having lied to his superiors that he has the thing that the Doctor has, then realising that only the Doctor has it and that if he dies, the thing dies with him, then trying to stop his own firing squad all the while another firing squad arrives. It's their first one. He runs into his office, desperately trying to figure out, and some random bloke comes in and just shoots him, and that's it. And he makes out like an, uh, and that's freaking it. He, he, and then the last thing you hear as well is his disappearance about two minutes ago, going, that fool deserved it. And we don't hear anything else about him. I mean, in fairness, he did. He did. He just he starts out. You're thinking, "Oh, this guy's got some power here," because he has that. Um, he has the hypnotic uh, spectacles. Glasses. Yeah, yeah. Because oh, it's the it's the German guy who has the monocle. Yeah, uh, yeah. So he's he's got these 
spectacles and you think he's all powerful and all corrupt and then by the end you realize he's absolutely worthless i think that's what i like about the war games is every layer is just like oh so if they were back to this guy oh this guy oh, this guy however it does end slightly anticlimactically with a cheap steve jobs lookalike <laughs> yeah turtleneck lord doesn't you don't believe he could have done a genocide no you believe he could have designed an interesting new phone yeah here's how I see it they're all good is Maxtable though beaten no and that's the important thing you'll never be topped what the hell is next then because we've gone over the baddies oh we've still got three to go we've got three awards to go and then the episode as well yes so this so one let's... is speed on along let's go speed on along to expectation <laughs> failure that's the next one the thing that let us down the most. And there's a few letdowns in this series, to be honest. So we're, we're spoilt for choice, unfortunately. Uh, Owen, what did you go with? You're going to hate me for this one. Go on, then. I, I, I can hate you. Don't be the last episode of The War Games. It was, but then I realised it wasn't actually that much, there wasn't that much ramping up to it because we no, didn't know what's going on. So it's not that one. Uh, this one, one was once which I just couldn't answer because I couldn't think of anything. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm definitely not padding. Um, see, the obvious one is the Dominators, but I don't want to be that. Generic. Yeah, that's obvious. Um, you go first. I'll see if I agree. With okay, you. it's a pretty broad one, but my expectation failure is the fact that they did nothing with Jamie and the Doctor this season. Mm-hmm. You would have thought. With Victoria gone, there was nothing in the way of Jamie being able to resume that banter that was that yeah. made season four so watchable and so good and so enjoyable. But instead of doing that, they just don't do anything with Jamie and really don't give the Doctor much to do. I mean, he gets Zoe around for a few episodes, but they don't have the same relationship. It's more of a... It's a little bit like the Susan relationship in some ways. He, he sort of treats her like a little bit of a daughter... Whereas with Jamie, it always felt like it was two equals bickering or like an old married couple in a way. And that was always more engaging. So the fact they didn't go there is, or go back to there is really annoying and disappointing for me. Mm. You know, screw I'm going over Dominator set. Their name just doesn't <laughs> suit them. I realise every negative thing we've put here, with a sen- which relies on one person, we've put for Dominators or something from that episode in there. Because the, they don't dominate. <laughs> They're just a bit shit. You know, it's it's ridiculous calling the dominators dominant. It's it's like calling man. It's like calling Manchester United the best team in England because they won the most titles. It's just it's just a completely wrong thing to say. Yeah. So right. that's there. It is. <laughs> Some people would say that is the worst thing James has ever said. Which Manchester United is not the best team. But luckily for him... That's not the worst thing I've ever said. That's entirely accurate. We, we, we don't rely on James Stevenson for this award. We rely on the worst thing the Doctor did. So let's have a look. Worst thing the Doctor did. I wish we had jingles for that one. Worst thing the Doctor did. What is the worst thing that the Doctor did? See, the issue of this award has become less and less relevant for less which William Hartnell's around. Yeah, the, fir- the first season, the Doctor was threatening to kill people, <laughs> threatening to abandon people, was getting, was getting like, was, was threatening scraps with everyone he came across. 
Whereas now, Troughton, by the end, had mellowed a little bit. I mean, he was still quirky and still did some bad things, and I do have one in mind, but definitely there's less of it than there used to be. Yeah. yeah have you got I one? Really can't, I can't think of one. I have one, if you want if you want me to pad. Yeah, you pad for a second. I'll pad for you, right. So my worst one is um, when the Doctor realises at the end of the War Games that the Time Lords are coming, he is very quick to tell Jamie and Zoe that he is off. Yes, I did sort of think about that one there being my worst one. But then and, I also if thought... he's off, he's leaving them there. Yeah. Well, I know that the Time Lords are going to return them to their own time, but even so, I mean, he's pretty much agreeing that that will now happen. So he can't act too shocked when he gets to Gallifrey and that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. That's definitely not his high point, is it? That is a low point. Because, I mean, in the end, Jamie and Zoe have to convince him to go. I mean, at the end of the day, the the, the result is the same. But yeah. perhaps even worse because they don't have their memories with them anymore, which does write them out of all of the reunion stuff. Oh, yep. Yeah. Worst story end is that because of that feature. I forgot. But yeah, about you that. don't like them. Yeah, you've never liked the fact that their memories go. No. That's always been my most hated plot line if is memory wiping. Yes. The, the, and then they just have the it was all a dream moment and Jamie goes back to punching red coats. Yeah. That, as if nothing had actually... happened. That might actually be for worst story end for me. They do. They, they say though that they get to remember the first trip. Mm. Actually, I might put that as my expectation failure. Jamie's and um, Zoe's leaving departure. I see. I still think it works emotionally because they get the time to say goodbye. But I agree that the memory wipe thing's a bit cheap. Yeah, it works in context because the time lords would do that. Yeah, yeah, it works, it works in, context in the story, but it is annoying, I guess. And I hate any plot point which includes that sort of thing. Mm. So, what would we change? What would we scrap? What would we wreck yes. on from this season? What would we wipe the memory of, you could even say? Shut up, only I can do really shit segues. <laughs> <laughs> Look, someone's got, like, someone has to try and, you know, catch up with the, you know, the cavalcade of shit segues that you've provided over the past six end of season, what happens. Yes, yeah, so let's right, record what, this now. What would you go with? Um, can we just record the Ice Warrior voice and just make it normal? That's the one thing I've wanted <laughs> the whole season. Can we just can we just give him a normal voice? Or just tone it down a bit. <laughs> like, is it, like the is S it that is, hard? is fine. Like the I, S S part of it is fine. It's everything else. If they didn't do the S's, the Seeds of Death is a four-parter. Yeah, <laughs> that's how much there is. Yeah, yeah, that is that's what I would take out, and that's genuinely that's the one I'm giving it to because uh, you can do the you can do the Jamie's own wipe the memory thing, that's for sure, and I think you probably have gone with that. But yeah, that one particularly annoys me. What? Well, you were you were shaking your head, so you haven't gone with retconning the retconning. Well, I've just put that as the worst thing for uh, as worst end. I feel oh, like yeah, I, I guess need you to can't change it up. Towards. So I've gone with something which is potentially very controversial, and I'm fairly prepared to defend this to the hilt. The time, uh, the time lords happening. The introduction of the time lords. Really? Mm-hmm. Really? Yes. How? What? what I, look, I'm willing to hear this out because I, I think I get why, but I want to hear it from you. Why? So it, it's a multiple fold problem. I think. First of all, 
It gets rid of the mystery of the Doctor. We now know where he comes from. Yep. Okay. That's fair. Second of all, it starts for the problem which Doctor Who ends up happening, where it becomes very insular. It looks on and in and on itself, whether it be with Omega in one point and Rassilon, it's all very mm. much a backward referencing to itself, which say when Russell T. Davis got rid of them, it instantly got better. Every story where a Time Lord is involved, the story itself seems to be more rusty. At least in the ones I've watched. Mm. Is that because you think the Time Lords are, are kind of overpowered in reality? No, I think it just makes the, t- the writers feel the need to back-reference things even more, which then makes it feel so much more self-referential, which then puts off newer audiences. I mean, particularly in later, say, later... Nathan Turner episodes mm. when they do become this bureaucratic thing and we just folk everything seems to reference back to them. I don't realise which this is not this era, but things like Omega yeah, I know. I know and, and Rassilon. It just feels like it makes the series become a lot... I realise this is a stupid thing to say about Dog 2. It makes it feel a lot less serious and a lot more self-referential. Do you, you see, I take the opposite approach where I think if it's self-referential and it makes sense within a narrative, within a canon, that's mm. good. Because like Dave, the whole thing about Davies was he always seemed to bring things back to the, you know, the root of something and things seemed like they'd been planned for multiple seasons. Mm. So I don't think self-referentialism is necessarily a bad thing. I just think it's the way it's handled. Yeah, oh, oh absolutely, yeah. The way, the way it was the handle, which what I'm talking about here, but we, we're, we're being massively played out. So Yeah, I know. I this think this is turning into a wider conversation. <laughs> Uh, uh, let's turn off for music playing out and we can talk about this for a few more moments yeah i think this is a this is more of a wide conversation now about well is doctor who better when it references itself or better when it ignores itself yeah it it's for me it's it's something i've previously said every episode which involves time travel being integral to it the quality feels worse i mean if you think about from what what we've just been through with Doctor Who, for timeless children, we brought it back in for Time Lords. Yep, it's instantly made worth. Think about how bent for Time Lords are involved. Mm. Generally recognised, yeah, how bent's rubbish uh, as one of the worst stories of modern Who. How bent's rubbish. Like um, the I've forgotten the name of it, but Tenant's last one, the end of time, end of time. I'm going to like the the Time Lords don't exactly improve that story. No, they add stakes to that story. They, they add stakes to it, but they don't... Imp- There's not much there. And then Yeah, they kind of show up, bring Gallifrey in, they're there for two minutes, he says Rassilon, then shoots the star and they're gone. Yeah. it. For me, they always seem to drag down the show, at least in the episodes I've watched. Mm. I, I will agree with you that the Time Lords are quite wieldy. That's the word I would use. There's a sense that when the Time Lords arrive, that anyone who's writing the episode has to be respectful of them and how big and powerful they are, and the episode gets taken over. Mm. So I can see it from some extension. But at the same time, the fact we Mm -hmm. know about the Time Lords and not know all the details adds just another mystery in my head. So you're not losing the mystery too much in my head, 
but I get you're yeah. losing some of the mystery you had earlier on. For that is, they are introduced well. They they do keep an element of mystery to it, which I think is what Chibnall was trying to do with the timeless children thing. Yeah, but then it then backfired because everyone but for Arden Sisp, which it kind of it's a yeah. I think the issue you get later on, and this is probably bringing it back to the Nathan Turner stuff, is that we learn too much at that point. Yeah, and it's way too wieldy. Uh, that I don't agree with, but yeah. certainly I don't think introducing them was bad. I think what they did afterwards was bad. Yeah. And it made it to, yeah. Oh, that's a hell of a discussion, the idea. Because here's the question. Would you rather have a Doctor Who that has a really, like, like firm canon where everything is referred back to and, like, anything that happened in an episode has mm. happened? Bearing in mind, we've rewritten the canon in the universe about five times. Um, or no canon at all, just do whatever, like it's The Simpsons, and we go from episode to episode. I think what we've got is the best way where we've kind of got half and half. Mm. This show is not afraid to wreck conflicts. But it yeah. also does have the pillars of what makes Doctor Who Doctor Who. And I feel like if we did strictly apply to canon every possible turn, we wouldn't be here on the eve of the 60th anniversary of the show. I agree with that. But at the same time, retconning the canon is canon sometimes. Yeah, I feel like we can go too far with going, you know, we need to wreck on everything we don't like. Like, I do think which I understand why Moffat did it. I feel like he did it in a bit too much of a haphazard way where he just wiped everything which happened previously. I think Moffat just wanted to have his own stamp. Mm. And I think he panicked and went with this whole, we're just going to reset the universe so I can do what I want. Yeah. Thing. And of course, there is a way of not doing it, which is flux, and we do not need to discuss that. Yeah, I still believe that Moffat choosing to retcon the Davies era is the biggest mistake in Who history. Yeah, but but yeah, that, that's a, that's another conversation. We've already talked too much because we've got yeah. through our awards, and the last thing to talk about, well, the second to last thing, the penultimate thing, is to do our episode ranking. Let's go through this quickly because we've talked for way too long. Isn't yeah, we're cracking an hour. Um, yeah. Shall we start off at the bottom? Which one have you gone off with? At the bottom for my season six ranking is The Seeds of Death. Ooh, why have you gone with that one? Annoying Ice Warriors, not a very good story, drags. There's a couple of good things in there I like, but not too much. I've gone with The Dominators. Wow, that low. I just don't feel like there's everything which is good in there is being copied from other places. The story drags on. It doesn't really go anywhere. Everyone's a bit standard. Everyone's a bit cut and dry it's just not for best yeah fair enough number five owen you want to go first this time i have gone for for crotons ah same here because it was first episode good everything else shit mm, it was just forgettable nothing much happened there yeah it was a bit too reminiscent of of stories in that season two and three that we didn't like yeah I think it just kind of had all those elements and not really much else. Yeah, that was why I put Crotons 5. It just becomes so forgettable later on. You know, machines, woohoo. At least a man's face gets melted, so yes. does that. Num- number four, James. The Dominators. I've gone with the Seeds of Death. Fair enough. Why have you gone with Seeds of Death at four? Because once you exclude the fact which the um, Ice Warriors are irritating as fuck, 
it's not too bad of a story. The story makes sense, and there is something there which is vaguely more memorable than the Dominators. Yeah, the um, the Teenat stuff is kind of interesting. It poses interesting questions. There is there's like a theme going on, so I, mm. I can give them that. The reason I put Dominator Four is because there is there is quite a lot there. Like mm. you've got obviously the pacifist race. You have these discussions about whether it's right to fight or not. The Dominators do have a clear strategy, even though they're not very mm. good at executing it. And uh, honestly, a lot of it's funny. And I really do factor that into the again, whether I do laugh about the episode, because that does make it more enjoyable. And the Dominators I had more a laugh with than the other two, even though it's probably not as good as any of them. So the next one, number three. Number three. Do you want to go, Owen? Um, I've gone for, I'm fairly sure the top three will be the same for both of us, for Mind Robbers. Yes, Mind Robber 3. It is... An interesting story, but it doesn't quite know where it's going. Yeah, I, I can go with that. It's very inventive, very trippy, um, tries a lot of interesting things, has some really cool ideas, but does lose sight of the core story going and exploring those ideas, and it, it can feel a bit grindy at times. It's got lots of cool ideas, but they can never land them properly. Yeah, it just doesn't feel like there was a there was a clear central idea that was tying all of this together. It felt like a bunch of ideas got thrown in and they haphazardly put them together and tried to make a story out of them. It's not bad. Definitely good to watch because of all of the things that go on that could have been better. Number two. two. And then obviously we'll know number one. I'm fairly sure we can both say this one together. Shall we? Is Let's go. The Invasion. For War Games. You haven't put the War Games at two. Nope, I'm just pissing pissing with you. Yeah, 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 go on. It is The Invasion. The invasion. It's solid. It's a good story. It does drag on a little bit at some yeah, point. Parts. It could have been six easy. Yeah, but other than that, it's got Brigadier in there, units in there, interesting Cybermen are interesting. Cybermen are in there. It's nice to have a different style of Cyberman story. It had a proper production values. It felt big. It felt scoping more so than we'd really had, probably since Dalek Invasion of Earth, to be honest, in terms of the mm. scope. Yeah. So you, you have to give that- it a lot of credit. The side character, which was a companion, but not quite a companion, whose name I've completely forgotten, was very good in there as well. Oh, yeah. She should have been a companion. Oh, honestly, trade her in and Jamie, and it's done with. That would have been fantastic. And, and number one, then. Of course, for War Games, because it's actually... Really t- good. It's a lot better than it deserves to be, quite frank, with a 10-episode runtime. Yeah, 10 episodes to make it that good is phenomenal. Never got bored. Watched it in one sitting, and it's about four and a bit hours. Yes. Yes. Then again, I can't talk, because I've spent the weekend we were recording this on, I did the whole of Stranger Things in, like, one go. So, That's why you're so tired. I, can't, I, say, I say one go. I slept I slept in the after episode four, because it, that one... If anyone's watched it, you know how episode four is. That thing is damaging so after that i slept then i woke up and i did the other the other three right shall we quickly go through the season rankings shall we just read them yeah, out because not... i think it's interesting where we're trying to put this season because it's not too bad necessarily it's just not very good right it's time for the fifth take of this bit if we want all the random outtakes from this segment go on youtube they're probably there at one point um, um, before we rank the seasons, can you rank your, your versions of these takes for me? <laughs> <laughs> right, so in sixth place, I have got season two. I have season five. 
In fifth place, I have got season three. And I've got season two. In fourth place, I have got season five. I have season six. In third place, I have got season six. And I've got season three. In second place, I have got series one. I have got series one as well. And in first place, I have got series four. Series four. <laughs> That'll do. Season four. Yes. So I've put this one here just below, just above even season five, because I feel like the War Games is perfect in almost every way. And also it's got the invasion. Whereas last time we only really had for one good episode. Yeah. Yeah, I can fully agree with that. Season six is definitely better than five was. The issue which we have with this season, which is why it's hard to rank them both against each other, is that yes, last season didn't have as many good ones. I feel like the other ones had better production values in them. I'll agree with that. But certainly in this season, when they got it right, it was more right. Yeah, yeah. But the highs were much higher. And yeah, the lows are a bit lower, but if you balance it out, mm-hmm. you'd go through a lot for another War Games. So finally, we've come to the end of this. You will not have heard most of the mess which happened during that last segment, but you know. The best we're, recording we're experience the I've had <laughs> during, during the production of this show. Oh God, it's been many meltdowns. Right. A great milestone. And another milestone, next time you hear from us, we'll be in colour. Woo! Season seven, John Pertwee, Unit, Liz Shaw, Lethbridge Stewart. It's all happening. It's all colourful. It's all exciting. We'll be there. I hope you will be as well. Owen, where can they make sure to be there from? That was ropey. <laughs> I've got absolutely no clue what you're asking me. <laughs> what should they do if they want to listen to season seven, Owen? Which is not what you asked me last time at all. No, it's not. It was the wrong <laughs> words. The idea in my head was great. It was just I didn't execute it in English. Right. So if you want to catch us next time, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, because then you'll be notified as soon as we release our next episode. And and if you enjoyed um, our end of season, what happened for season six, uh, if you've watched any season six, if you've watched any of the future episodes, past episodes, have anything you want to chat about who including the new stuff um we're available on twitter at black archive pod and even via email which is black archive pod at gmail.com so yeah so feel free to let us know how completely wrong we are and how the dominators is just a piece of art yes remember to rank owen's takes when they come out <laughs> right thank you very much for listening and have a good night goodbye <laughs> Goodbye.